Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody, to the Leftovers DVR Podcast, part of the DVR Podcast Network. You can check us out on our new website, dvrpodcast.com. That's Delta Vector Rectum Podcast. Why did I say rectum? Podcast.com, baby. That's what happens when you have a four-year-old. Yeah, I just put up the new site. You can find out about all of our um, awesome podcasts, podcast Winterfell, uh, the old lost mythos that Aaron and I used to do, all that kind of stuff. So thanks. You can, of course, check out this podcast uh, at Leftovers DVR on Twitter, LeftoversDVR at gmail.com for any questions, ideas, comments that you have. We want to thank everyone out there for giving us iTunes reviews. If you're on your phone now, do it, please. Go down to search. Search Leftovers DVR. Find the podcast. Then go click over to reviews, write a review. That's how you have to do it. It's so stupid. If you're subscribed, you have to research for the podcast on iTunes to give us a review. They should have it right from when you subscribe, you know. But, hey, I don't work for iTunes. I work for the DVR Podcast Network, baby. Yeah, and, baby. Uh-huh. I'm here with A-Hus. What's up? What's up, bro? Yo, A-Hus is on a new mic. I like the way it sounds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to wrap into this mic. Yeah, I think it's going to be good, man. I like it. Um, yeah, I want to thank everybody for keeping up with us on Twitter, keeping up with us uh, on iTunes. We're getting ranked and all that kind of stuff. I want to give a shout out to uh, Rob Chapman, our boy up there uh, in Canada, who um, just started watching The Leftovers and hopefully he'll catch up with our show. Guava, Guava has been following us, hitting us up, telling us he liked it, that uh, he liked the first episodes, good stuff. We appreciate that, man. Um, We've been getting our stuff on Blueberry. Check out Blueberry, B-L-U-B-R-R-Y. Um, that's pretty cool. Basic Boy Wonder, Soren F. We got How Is This Movie, Kevin Logan. Just just giving some shout-outs for people out there in the Twittersphere. Matt, of course, our old friend Matt. You remember Matt from Lost Days, baby. He, he lives in Philly. Yeah. Uh, so Rusty. Tracy, all you. Thanks, everybody. We've had a lot of great response to the podcast. Go to DVRpodcast.com. Let's get on with the show. This was such an episode. This is the type of episode where, I don't know, you know, I have a four-year-old, Aaron. You don't have any children. Once you have a child, you notice something, Okay. How many shows have to have dead kids? It's like, and I know that's been a part of the leftovers forever. And the store and the Nora thing we knew, of course we knew about this, but it's like, 
then we find out about how she lost the other kid and it's just so heartbreaking and as a father myself man i was just like that alone besides all the rest of the awesome stuff we're going to talk about or depressing stuff we're going to talk about this felt this felt a little bit like a season 1 with a twist episode to me because it had that humor and the weirdness that came on stronger in season two and three. Ahas, what's your initial reaction? And then let's get to the awesome recap you have made out for us this evening. I love uh, this episode, uh, mainly because we go back to focusing on Nora um, and you know how much I love Carrie Coon. I think she's a fantastic actress and her character is very deep. And um, we saw more levels uh, to her character that we haven't necessarily come across before um, and in relation to at least the events that are happening now. Right. Of course, um, some of these things have always been there since uh, season one. However, I just, of course, I, I love this episode and I really loved how it ended just uh, as a uh, episode for um, episode one. I loved how that ended as well. And I really felt that um, the end of episode one kind of, bridged into episode two kind of setting us up because you know it was about nora so my thing is and i think uh, by the time we get to the end of the show is gonna make a case that um we saw nora at uh in the future at the end of episode one and we're gonna see how she gets there um and this is this is how she gets to australia at least because that's where we think she is in episode one so Okay, that's, get- that's interesting, man. You know, all right, I won't roll out. I did have a crackpot theory, of course. I said I wasn't going to do too many theories, but since you had brought that up to me on the phone, too, um, before, which makes total sense, um, I th- this whole perfect strangers thing, uh, let's just get to the recap, man. I'll get into it. Yeah, okay. So then we can start that in the beginning. All right. So the show opens up, I believe, with the uh, the pillar man, as he's being referred to, the guy that sits up on top of the pillar in Jardin Square. And he's also kind of, I guess, a preacher-like figure, um, at least seen by some people. And uh, maybe he's a holy figure to some and what he represents. So it, we see him fall. And it obviously... Um, He's probably dead, you know, once you see the fall. And <laughs> yeah. then it goes and then it goes right into the same opening uh opening credits um that we've seen uh, in season two. However, it's a different theme song. And it's nothing gonna stop me now, which is the perfect strangers um theme song. Very weird. I've never ever seen this happen before in television or movies. And maybe it has, but I've never seen it before. And it was really weird to see um, a different song set to the same background, you know, like, I mean, Iris DeMent's for, I, 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 let me just say a lot of people probably hated it. Ooh. I personally hated it, but I understood the reason for it by the end of the show. And it was, I mean, it's great. You know, it's, it's really, Oh, you hated it when it's, when it no, happened. No, just because I liked Iris DeMent's song better. Just oh, as a song. Okay. Okay. It's but it, as art. It's, it's amazing. It you was, know? yeah, it was so fucking jarring because because it just starts at the same time you know it's so recognizably not the theme song (laughs) yeah that we had come to all cry every week over last season and just be amazed that they change it to something so i just loved it it was so powerful you know 
uh, was such a creeper too, um, that this was not a creeper. You know what I mean? This was like, bam, right off the bat. I was like, am I watching YouTube? You know what I mean? Like, I guess as an older guy, I get that feeling. Anytime you see a mashup like that, but I just, I started laughing, man. I have to admit, I started (laughs) cracking up right away and I immediately knew what it was. I immediately knew, I didn't know anything. I didn't watch, I don't know if I've, I think I didn't watch the preview last week. I haven't, I don't watch the previews normally. Um, yeah, I don't either. I haven't seen, especially going into a podcast. That's kind of a podcasting rule I have. I never watch um, the coming attraction, except in the case of towards the last episodes or middle of Game of Thrones. I can never help myself. But um, yeah, I thought it was great, man. I loved it. It took balls. Yeah, so I think uh, I think actually going forward, uh, I don't think this is going to be the theme song for the rest of the season. I actually think that the it'll change up and maybe it'll be an episode by episode or maybe we'll even get a different uh, opening sequence. Oh, um, not to be not as well. No, no spoiler here, but um, I have I have heard I, I don't have I didn't hear it definitively, but I heard that that is might what the, that might be what they're doing. Okay. Yeah, that would make sense to me because the first episode they didn't have anything, then the yeah. second episode they didn't have that, then it just it, it just makes sense that they would have that kind of flow. Um, I love that man because I just have to say, as a filmmaker myself, I fucking hate credit sequences. I think they're stupid, and especially on a drama, unless and even though I loved, I admit that I loved that leftovers just because as like almost a music video, it was perfect. You know, it wasn't really a credit sequence. It was like a music video, but I generally don't like them. That's why I like, like lost. It just says the name. I like shows where they just say the name and then they go, you know, I don't. Um, so because the reason why is because I feel like from the very beginning to the very end, you're creating something from the credit to the credit. You have your hand in creation and you shouldn't be fucking lazy and tack something on every week if you have the opportunity to change it up a little bit. That's why I've always appreciated, again, Game of Thrones, how they'll throw, like, a new location in it, you know, even if it's something like that. But anyway. Okay, so uh, continuing on with, we'll just go a little bit more into the Pillar Man and some a couple of uh, just interesting connections. Um, he died at precisely 4.20 a.m. There's a clock there in the scene. I don't know if you caught it. So this can be viewed in a probably a variety of different ways that I don't even know of yet. And we, you heard uh, the spark of the lighter, and it's probably a shout out to the weed culture. Baby. And uh, you know, and it was four twenty last week, so that's kind of interesting. You know, the timing of the episode, and also um, there are some biblical verses, and um, one in particular, uh, and I think it's taken from the Old Testament. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. I'm really sorry. I'm not. Christian again, but um, I find this fascinating. And uh, it comes from Romans 4.20, and the quote is, is, yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith, faith and gave glory to God. So I think that's kind of a reference to the pillar man, that he was unwavering in his faith, which oh. we saw later with hmm. um, when uh, the pillar, wipes, pillar man's wife, Sandy, um, uh, spoke about it to Nora. Yeah. So, um, hey, hey, us, that is a yes. great, that's awesome that you found that great job with these notes, man. 
that yeah. that could that could be saying uh that's a pretty good that's a pretty solid biblical quote if ever there was going to be one <laughs> you know what i yes. mean he believed yes. even though people were like don't um yeah. and uh could say not only for him but you know other people in this show of course as well he or she and I, I just made a just a, a, a a little while ago today, I just thought of something that uh, I hadn't thought about before with this. And that was, uh, he was one of the few people in the show that have actually been able to see the other people, the other side, meaning like, um, uh, what is her name? Patty Levin. Yeah. Remember when Kevin was in Jardin Square and he was near the P- Pillar Man and he was talking to Patty Levin in one of the episodes in uh, season two. And uh, he said, uh, who is that to Kevin, meaning he saw her. So he's one of the few, just like Dean last week. They both died two weeks in a row, which is probably just a coincidence. But um, two of the people besides Kevin and his father uh, that have actually spoken to people on the other side are dead. Well, Aaron, nothing is a coincidence when people are writing it unless it does happen by accident. But that's interesting, man. Are we seeing, is this thing closing up? Yeah. You know what I mean? We're coming to the end of the show, but are we, I guess. Maybe the seven year. Yeah. Uh, like is this uh, cir- anniversary is, yeah. does mean something. Is the circle going to remain unbroken? You know what I mean? Is this going to kind of come back or is this going to kind of end or wrap into itself in some way? I mean, I think the, now that I've had a week to think about it, the most jarring thing to me about um, the last scene of the first episode with Nora was, like I said, that it meant that there's a future. Yes. Which, you know, hmm, wonder whose future, you know? That's true. And what does that future look like? And is everything as humanity? I mean, you can take it in so many different ways. You can say it's a different reality even. So um, going on to the next point where we find out the pillar, pillar man's wife, Sandy has been camping out by him and taking care of his needs since the day the guilty remnant broke back into Jardin. Um, he apparently ignored Sandy, but she was devoted to serving him. Sandy and uh, Reverend Matt Jameson decided to bury Pillar Man and say he departed, solely phased out in front of their eyes. So that was their argument. Yeah. So Nora, of course, true to her character and also true to her job because she does work for the Department of Sudden Departures. Uh, she does say um, she doesn't believe it at all. And she just wants to, you know, just expose the truth right away. She just she's just. Very passionate yeah. about it. She's Can't acting be. like Can't be. She's like uh, what's his name? John was last year, right? Yes, yes. So Nora doesn't believe this, of course, being from the Department of Southern Departures, and she has unabashed skepticism of anything departure related. She questions Sandy and Matt. Nora is very abrupt and mean to Sandy, and Nora finds out from Matt that they are lying and that they secretly buried him and concocted the story. Sandy and Matt, and as Matt explained, wanted to give this man a purpose or give, you know, give his life meaning. So do you have any thoughts about that? Yeah. You know, it's this show is interesting. 
uh, in its repetition. Um, we've definitely seen this before where people are looking for, I mean, it's, it's, it's a lot of the storylines in this show. We've seen so many times, not this exact situation, but people looking for validation of loss through this event. Right. And, um, we see more of it here with our, our, uh, cousin Larry. Um, and we've also seen in the last episode with Kevin and it's, and, and him vacillate back and forth, but now kind of thinking like, let, if this, if it helps somebody, let him believe it, you know? Yeah. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like he was saying like how the guilty remnant got taken out and he, with the Gary Busey, uh, balloon, <laughs> you know, um, it, it, and Nora on the other hand finds herself kind of whipped into this frenzy of fervent belief that somehow maybe she could get her kids back and then you know thrown into that from from being so ardently against what Matt and Sandy are doing which isn't hurting anyone at all and yeah. really in a way if anything in another TV show her turning a blind eye in the end could have been seen as a beautiful nod to the way a person's life can stand for whatever afterlife you think they're in. Right. That like he deserved that kind of adulation because he sat on that fucking thing for years and didn't come down. You know what I mean? Like, so I don't know. It was it was interesting to me, and but it you, was sad to see Nora go through that. Yeah, but do you think he would have wanted that kind of reverence? I don't think he would have. And, who cares? Uh, yeah, that's true. He's dead. That's true. It's what his wife wanted, who had to sit there and watch her husband climb up a fucking pole. Didn't did did Nora ever think about that while her husband's choking himself out in the bedroom? Yeah, no doubt. Oh, I just got so, man, I just got emotional right there. You sure did. And I have I have uh <laughs> I just made a connection in my head and it's probably been done before, but the departure kind of early some of the way that people react to it and it's not quite as dramatic on 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 some of the scale here, but I would say 9/11 reminds me a little oh. bit of how because it felt like people yes. wanted to be a part of it. It felt like a lot of people lied about things and people that they knew. Um, people obviously got really upset, you know, and it's so many yeah. people reacted differently. And you and I were in New York City on that day, and we saw that there's a, so, such a range, wide range of emotions and reactions mm-hmm. and, you know, disbelief and, you know, people thinking that the world was going to end. And, you know, it was just it was really it was really, really crazy. I don't know. I just kind of made that connection, oh, you know, um, dude, and thinking I think, of. I mean, I think I instantaneously make that connection with everything, and that's why maybe I'm not a big fan of every Marvel movie ending or every movie ending with an entire city falling down, you know? I mean, I know that's the way our collective conscious as a society and as an American culture works through that pain. I understand that. I mean, look at Godzilla for Japanese culture and anything, you know... you see that, right? That's okay. 
Um, so I'm not slamming it, but yeah. it's just, uh, you know, I watched the I just find it fall, interesting. So yeah. it's with, like yeah. with my own eyes, I smelled them fall. I could feel it. Yep. I could Me feel too, the ground, friend. you know? So, um, yeah. So, but anyway, great. If you go back, Aaron, to season one, any articles written when it came out, they talk about that a lot. Oh, really? I okay. can't say that every single one talks about it, but Damon addresses that. Oh, um, really? Of course. Yeah. It's a 9-11 like event. I mean, those yeah. type of events, Pearl Harbor, 9-11, you know what I mean? Like that True. just affect the world instantaneously are very rare. You know, I mean, they're more common now in every, in the days of Twitter and everything, but they're actual, the actual repercussions, I should say, you know, events that yeah. actually have meaning like that are rare. Well, um, I think we're more connected as a society. Yeah. So that, I mean, at least recent events, not like Pearl Harbor sure. or anything, but recent events are a little bit more, um, you have more reactions. You have more people that are in tune with it, you know, and then than... we're talking about disasters too. They're not just events. You know what I mean? Like, Oh, of course. It's not yeah. like the Oscars where Warren Beatty got it wrong or something. It's like yeah. people dying, yeah. but Oh, I should say yeah. this too. I love the idea of nine 11 in reference to this episode too, because you made reference to, um, people pretending that they were there. And it's yes. funny that a guy who was on a show that we both love that had like four main star, well, five, I guess, main stars <laughs> pretended that he was at nine 11, right? The guy from the league. Yes. You remember yes. that? Kevin, Kevin the from the Kevin, league. Yes. Yeah. The actor that he actually, he was a standup and he, he said in many interviews that he was in the building and he was used to be a stockbroker or some shit. I, I don't know the exact details. I'm not trying to slander the dude. Yeah. Um, but I do he admit remember, it to his mistakes. Yeah, people, it happens. You know what I'm saying? Look, yeah. I don't, whatever. I'm not going to shit on the guy, but it's funny because I haven't seen any interviews that brought that up to Lindelof or anyone else. <laughs> shit. I should yeah. write into like Seppenwall or something and ask, <laughs> that, that was great connection. Okay, A House, let's, let's All right, keep it let's, moving. Yeah, let's keep it moving. So, going uh, the last thing I'm going to say about this, uh, the Pillar Man and um, this episode is later, later in the action, Nora wants to. She plans on pasting a picture of the Pillar Man's exhumed body across Jardin Square, but before she's able to do so, Kevin stops her and reminds her of how level-headed she usually is and suggests that maybe this isn't the best thing to do. So I think that was, uh, that, that was, that was good. You know, she, yeah. he stopped her from, uh, <laughs> uh, from making a big mistake and, uh, that's good. So, um, so we're going to move on to now we focus, uh, really get into the meat of Nora and the episode. And she receives a phone call from real life actor of Pepper of the Perfect Strangers, Mark Lynn <laughs> Baker, and about spe being able to speak to her kids again. And if he basically says that if she's interested in speaking to him again, that she has to come meet him in a hotel in St. Louis. This is so real. There we go. Yeah. Yes, this is real, and this is the actual Mark Lynn Baker plays himself in the show. I love it. So um, after then she calls her boss and kind of demands uh, that the DSD uh, allow her to go there um, to work, uh, to travel for work. Okay. Let me ask you, I don't mean to stop you here, brother, but sure. you, 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 you put a little emphasis kind of demands. 
did you feel as though she was on shaky ground? I felt as though I felt as though she did a good job in selling it. I did too, but that's because they trusted her because she okay. did such good okay. work uh, for because she's very again she's probably the best at what she does. Yeah. So if they okay. if she thinks. She just made it imperative that she go. Right. And if, if she thinks that it's important, then they're like, okay, yeah, we'll just let her go. You know? Okay. Okay. So I think she had to make that kind of point to them. Otherwise, it wouldn't have happened. Right. I just thought that you may have been. Um... It felt like she was almost demanding it a bit. Okay. I just, I, I just wanted to see if that was you kind of foreshadowing yeah. maybe your own thought that this could get, him, get her in trouble with her job. Like. Yeah. Yeah. But it seems but to me, actually, it was legit. It's just yeah, it, it's about is it, is it was it necessary for her to go right away? Wow. That's what it came down to. I so. mean, it really was, though, because the demands were being put on her by the other party who believed that she was in on it and didn't think that she was doing this for her. Jo- right. So sure. in actuality, she's being very honest with her job. It's she just is. perfect. It's like it's actually but, if you think about this situation, it's like total kismet. It's to, it's like a totally there could not be a more perfect like situation to capture her for both her job and in reality what she probably would believe and be fooled by, you know? Yeah, I just also think that her intentions are always right below the level of the surface. Like you can yes. figure them out, and it's like never what you actually. That's what says. I mean. Yeah, yeah. It serves it serves such perfect dual purposes. Yeah. So okay. So she flies to St. Louis to see Marklin Baker, and uh, let me just get into a little bit of the background of, of this. And he was one of the four leading characters in Perfect Strang- Strangers that did not depart. Okay, he faked his departure, which we saw in season two. I remember the television clip of it, and they found him in Mexico. <laughs> um, and he, he faked his departure, he said, on the show to start a new life. Okay, so just a, you know, a little more background on the show, you know, just for those people who didn't actually weren't, weren't around to see the show or didn't watch it. So um, this, this series was ran from 1986 to 1993, chronicled the adventures of a sheep herder named Balky. His name is Bronson Pinchot. Who immigrated Pinchot, to my friend? Pinchot, Pinchot. Sorry, yes, I'm very bad with uh, pronunciation of names. Who immigrated to Chicago from a fictional island near Greece and became roommates with his high-strung cousin Larry, who's Mark Lynn Baker. And the world of the leftovers, it was yeah. So it was basically he, they all disappeared, and he um, we found out that he had faked his disappearance. Yeah. That there were four so, main leads, and the only yes. one that didn't disappear was him. And um, now, do you want to go into a little bit of the background and stuff? Um, so I did a little bit of reading. I think yeah, you did too. Um, Seppenwall, the man, of course, did some um, interviews with Damon. And it was kind of a joke that started in the writer's room before season two. Um, or maybe it was before. I don't know. Anyway. The way it was, it was a joke started in the writer's room and some, they just were coming up with weird things. He was like, let's just have a kind of, which I think is just shows how awesome Damon is. And I'm sure this happens in writer's rooms where they say, okay, guys, let's just have fun. You know, like where could these characters go this year? That's, you know, sunny or something like, let's just talk about that. Let's just talk about them, you know, just to get into the world. Right. 
yep. um, a game, a brain game. And someone just shout, oh, I th- oh, one of the female writers, I believe, just shouted out like, did you know that? that the cast of perfect strangers were all uh departed <coughs> or something like that and then it's just basically a joke you know did this this show it just shows damon's great i mean there's the whole story that the whole reason they did the caveman thing was to piss off um andy uh greenwald and chris ryan from the ringer who uh, the bill simmons podcast interesting why well, because he's a critic, Andy Greenwell. He also now writes for Legion, um, and he's probably working on Noah Hawley's next thing that's coming out, too. Oh, um, wow. But, uh, I mean, I just think Damon's fun like that, man. He was like that in Lost. You know what I mean? Of course. Like, they put yes. shit in the show that fans mentioned at Comic-Con and stuff, like just little funny tidbit things, mm-hmm. you know? Like so they, many. They go so back many. to the fish biscuits and, yeah. you know, like all this kind of stuff. He loves that. He feels like it's interactive. Why don't you, you're creating, that's world building. He, it's, he just loves it. I mean, I love being yeah. like that. It's awesome. Um, so anyway, Marklin Baker really does have like two Harvard degrees. He was totally down with doing this. They loved working with him. Um, and uh, I just think that it works it just really works in the show. I, I I just have to say that as a kid, I loved that show, Perfect Strangers. I thought it was so funny, and Bronson Pinchot was in that. And then the only yeah, other I liked thing, him he, a lot. remember the famous thing he did? He was in um, Beverly Hills Cop. Oh yeah, I remember him. He remember? played uh, the gay art dealer. Yeah, he was he was yes. the guy who said Aqua Foley. Uh, yes, yes, Aquel, that was good. Right? Yes, I forgot about um, that. Yeah. I love that movie. My namesake, baby. I know, that's your namesake. Um, Axel Foley. So, uh, but anyway, this is a really good, and that show is actually pretty funny. And remember, Balky used to do the Dance of Joy. Now it's time to do the Dance of Joy. And he'd like dance oh, around like that. That was really funny, yeah. man. Um, but anyway, this is what I wanted to bring up. Okay, so this is like a pre-internet, like... Uh, weird New Jersey. I don't know. I don't even know if it was in fancy. Okay. Anyway, I just remember this. Okay. There was a theory that perfect strangers was all in the mind of cousin Larry, that he was like this depressed schlubby dude who invented in his mind that his weird cousin came and lived with him. And then all of a sudden they had like hot cute girlfriends and like a light, you know what I mean? And mm-hmm. I remember this and I have not seen this mentioned in uh, any interviews or on the web or anything except for that little thing, not in reference to the leftovers, but if that is something that's in their minds or they knew of that somehow, or even maybe that maybe tangentially uh, the woman who came up with the idea as a lark knew it it does have some weird connection to the leftovers, right? Yeah, that would make sense. Where there's all these people where they, where like people are disappeared and like Kevin sees people that aren't there. It's such a part of the show that to then include a show that has some obscure, you know, uh, weird theory like that. I don't know. I just thought it was, it just kind of came to me the other day when I was thinking about that. I was like, holy shit. Yeah, I remember that, that this show had that weird theory. So I don't know. If anyone else remembers that, hit us up. 
leftoversdvr at gmail or at on Twitter. Let's hit that. I blame David Lindelof for making you think crazy thoughts. (laughs) It wouldn't be the first time, man. Yeah. No, it's great. I love it. Okay. So the next point, um, upon introduction, uh, Markman Baker tosses Nora's phone in the toilet. He then tells her that she can see her children again through a process of exposure to low amplitude Densinger radiation, which is a rare kind of neutron neutron radiation that scientists have recorded, and supposedly in places where the departures happened. Now, do you have, do you know anything about the science behind that, Axel? Do you know anything about it? Just out of curiosity. I don't think it's real. I mean, I don't know yeah. if Densinger yeah, I... uh, radiation is real, but it sounds mm-hmm. like a totally something that Damon Lindelof would use. Absolutely. It sounds like a total lost Prometheus, <laughs> Tomorrowland, you know, yeah. subatomic frequency radiation. People are hit with it. They phase in and out to a different dimension or reality. Uh, it sounds yeah. plausible to me. Yeah. So although she's, it, it, she appears skeptical, I, I think she's clearly enamored with the possibility, even though uh, her outward behavior might suggest otherwise. Um, and then Martin Big. Uh, Markman Baker tells her that many smart, respected members of society have done this. He, um, and uh, he offers, I guess, a CD or disc where she can view um, some of the testimonials of people before they go embark on this adventure. Um, and he, it seems like he's trying to pitch this to Nora you know, as a way to get control back in both of their lives. It feels like that he's taking, like, whether... We don't know if this is a scam or if this is real, but it seems like he's able to, um, he understands at least a little bit of what Nora's going through or seemingly does because he, it it appears that he hits a, hits a nerve with her when he says that. So I I think that's interesting. Well, I mean, if this happened, I can only say that if something like this event happened to me, I would never ever till the day I died or after uh, stop somehow believing that I could get my kid back. Yeah. That's just the way it is. So that's what makes this so painful, you know? Yeah. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's tough. So, um, so moving on to the next, and I guess he says that she'll, if she's interested, um, that she'll receive a call, um, in a few days and, uh, to see if she would like to go through with this. So she um, she goes to our hotel and looks at several of the testimonials from some of these people, and it you know she looks at several. We've seen we see them um, as she's playing them, and it, you know that looks looks real. It looks like they're you know uh, I think there's like a doctor in there and a couple other uh, people who had titles or anyway that looked like normal people, seemingly normal anyway, just like Nora, right? So uh, anything else you wanted to add to that? Um, it's, it's just uh, heartbreaking, man. You know, she shouldn't yeah. even watch that shit and she should have known better and she's knows what she's doing. And yeah. it's a, it's just a sad, it's like watching someone turn to drugs or alcohol or any type of addiction or anything that's, they know is going to take over their life. And actually it's quite the reverse of getting back control. It's seeding control. Yeah, and I think throughout this episode, we see different, we just see her... The struggle. 
Yeah, we see her struggle, and we see her basically collapse by the end of the episode, in my opinion. And uh, so let's get on to the next part, and um, this deals with Lily. So we find out about Lily, and Nora drives to Kentucky from St. Louis to see Lily, who has everything seemingly pointed to was living with her natural birth mother, Christine. That's kind of what we talked about last week and uh, glad to see that was the case and nothing else. You know, I think there would have been, uh, it would have been more emotional presented in a different way if that wasn't the case. So that was good. So she, I guess she sees one of the kids. Um, she sees the Lil- Lily is crying and it seems that she lost her shovel. And then when she brings it over to her, oh. uh, she's, you know, she gives it, tries to give it to her and the, she says, I think Nora says, don't you recognize me? And Lily said, I don't know who you are or something. I don't know, to that regard, um, to that effect. And uh, then Christine shows up. No, she and, just says, who are you? Oh, who are you? That's it. Sorry. Thank you. And then she's breaking down. And then she says, it's so great to see you. And then she just runs off crying. Yeah. Well, yeah. And then, well, that's, yeah, Christine comes and uh, then she, you know, uh, she's kind of put it in a spot and she, Christine's actually very friendly and doesn't understand why she's there. And, you know, obviously there wasn't, it didn't seem like there was any past problems with this because she seemed to be very friendly toward her. So, um, so then, yeah, like you said, she runs off and so let's, uh, you know, we're going to back up a little bit. And so Chris, uh, so Nora has a little problem with technology and this is kind of indicative of her struggle. Um, throughout the episode, there were three separate incidents that were really fascinating. And the first one was the air, airport kiosk. There was a malfunction with the kiosk while she was on her way to St. Louis. Um, that malfunction is when she says, uh, when she tries to select one of the options, is she going to travel by herself or, or is she going to travel with an infant on her lap? So she keeps obviously trying to pick by herself and it won't let her um, because as she finds out from uh, one of the members of the airline staff that um, there's a dead spot on the screen. So that's kind of, you know, obviously that that's, uh, has a little extra <laughs> flavor to it. <laughs> there's a dead spot on the screen and your, your child's dead, right? So um, she uh, so she eventually picks uh, the 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 um, the the option where she said, well, you'd be traveling with an infant on your lap. She has no choice. No, no, she doesn't. She says, I thought she did. No, I'm pretty sure she did. She doesn't. She says, can I have another kiosk? Oh, that's right. I'm sorry. I was waiting for that to happen. And then it happens in the car with the navigation. And then it happens in the elevator too, right? No, it's the airport, uh, the parking lot exit machine. Yeah. Maybe there's an exit machine. Okay. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So she um she paid for a ticket and when she's trying to exit it doesn't register yeah. at the exit. So she gets really frustrated. She gets out of the car and then she it manually moves herself. the gate and drives through it. It was great. What, what do you think about these? Cuz these are this started you know, I mean it's just I don't nothing's know. working Why, for her. Nothing okay, nothing's I I understand that I, I don't know, man. This had me kind of thinking two different things. One, is she like not there, right? So she can't interact with things, but that's not true because she lifts the gate. The lady touches the screen too. So, right? That it just, but it makes her feel like that, right? No control, not, not there, right? And the other thing is just kind of a breakdown of things yep. in the world yep, in general. 
Yeah, you know, a feeling of helplessness. A modern yeah. technology breaking down. Her, yeah. you know, um, she gets her cell phone gets thrown in the toilet by uh, what's his name, right? By uh, Mark Lynn Baker. It's there is just this. Th- I just felt this weird kind of theme, and obviously we know at the end they're going to Australia, right? We see Australia. It's just like almost this return well, then, to biblical times or return to Stone Age caveman times. Well, that's that, a good point that you bring up because then at the end of episode uh, one, she we don't see any technology, right? There's nothing there to suggest that there's technology when she's riding on her bike. Yes, with the, the good, pigeons, good, good. the church, right? Yes, it's a, like a return to yeah, cool. Yeah, that's what that's yeah, so that's that. how it kind of had. Because I was caught on the thing of her not being, but it's like, nah, that's just not, you know, you start thinking like sixth cent kind of shit, but really more yeah. it was, it made me feel a sense of, you see that in, it's a device, you know, and you see, it's like, it makes you feel like there's some kind of impending doom. And they mentioned before this flood or, you know what I mean? Like what's going to happen in the set. So I like the way that's what it made me feel that undercurrent that they were continuing that from the first episode, we're going somewhere, you know? Yeah. 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 And I'm looking forward to this journey. So, so oh, what did you think about, uh, yeah. we were right about, um, uh, the kid. We kind of were, when we talked about that, that it yeah. seemed not like the kid dead, but that she came back and that Nora gave her up. She seems a little bit still mad. I mean, if you gave her up like that, why couldn't have you worked out? A, that's the, I, did, I don't know. I didn't get that part. She thought she was doing the right thing. But then when she did it, I think, you know, she probably felt a sense oh, of loss. But I think, no. you know, one other point about Lily that, you know, I thought at least the way that they presented it, um, you know, initially there was there was the the stream of thought where. You know, holy, it was Holy Wayne's child, right? And it could have been, remember, he said he was trying to have uh, a child or a boy specifically that would yeah. be kind of like a chosen one or yeah. Messiah or some some important figure. Um, I, I never felt like it mattered if it was a boy or a girl. Okay. So I always always had the indication that, or the I just felt that this child might be special. I didn't necessarily think that, but I, it was definitely a real possibility. But I feel like because of this happening, I think that completely takes it out of the equation. There's no way. I, I just don't see any way that Lily becomes relevant, and if we even see her again, um, I don't. Or maybe think, we do. I, I at don't. The end. I, I I don't think you're. Um, I think that could be a correct reading of it. I also think that one offshoot idea I had about that is maybe are all those kids his kids? Because wasn't he? having sex with like a lot of women it wasn't just her he was but a lot of people died right i um, know so. but still it could it be that somehow someone intervened i could i don't know i couldn't see the government doing it i could see the government killing them could did someone intervene and that's why there were so many kids there and then she was there too because it seemed it didn't see it, it wasn't like a school or something right it was like I thought I don't it was know. just a playground. Yeah, it's like a play, but she seemed to be kind of, and then she had another kid strapped to her. Well, and, I think she had the other kid, and then she realized okay. uh, that I don't know, she should but, probably get. 
Well, for other, I, I get where you're going, but, but I, it I don't, might not I matter differently. That's yeah, why I, don't I think agree. It matters. With, yes. I just don't think there's enough space yeah. in these episodes to, to really make that relevant. They it worked anyway. It, it, yeah, it, it did. Clo- it, you know what? These first two episodes. Come on, let let's let's all you haters out there, Damon haters out there, who drove this wonderful gentleman off of Twitter for because of your vitriol. He's answering questions. We found out about the dog stuff. We're finding out about the kid. And, and we not only do we find out about a immediately a mystery from episode one, but it also wraps something up from earlier in the, in the, uh, in the whole series run. So I like it. It was, it was very, it was satisfying to me. I just didn't get, I think that we're missing an incident here that Nora did because though she seemed friendly towards Nora, she did seem, she was like, why are you here? You know, so far away. I mean, it's Kentucky and where's, where are they? But why don't they, why don't they have some kind of this? If she really loves that kid and they're working towards a positive, did they make, did did she make a promise to never see that? I don't remember her and Tom. I don't have, no, I don't, I don't think I, my personal interpretation of it is, they might have I let think her see that the kid she came and get, got the kid. Okay, they found out who the mother yeah. was. Of course, Nora wanted to keep Willie, but when she saw the mother, and we, you know, I think this kind of she tells us to Tommy later, yeah. um, in the car that you know she did it. She, her first inclination was to give up Lily to the proper mother because that's what she would have wanted right, to right. have happen yeah. with her, right? So, but I think she, it's almost like uh, she has hard. remorse in that, yeah. 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 It's bittersweet. But it's I'm, bittersweet for ex- exactly. But what I'm trying to say is, and maybe this is, maybe I'm being picky here because we're on a fucking podcast, but couldn't have they worked out a little thing where, hey, you're part of the family. You know, Tommy, you remember him. He's the guy who fucking saved you. You know, you know what I mean? Like, well, maybe. Well, here's the thing, but maybe she never indicated that she wanted that too. Yeah, you, you have, right. to, you have to look at some, it that way. Nora is very yes. closed in well, a lot of ways. Yeah. So there's something is like it's, and that's okay. There's yeah, something if we never find out. You know what? I'm actually okay with it. I just wanted to mention it because yeah. that's what ran through my mind. Because I want these people to be happy in some way, of and course. I kind of feel like, oh, that would have been nice. Couldn't have they had like a little visit? Like, wouldn't it have been cool in the first episode if they had this idea instead of having this happen, though it totally works with everything else and propels them to Australia, couldn't have we had, uh, her name's Christine, right? The mother? Couldn't have we had um, uh, Tom's party and then Christine comes out the corner holding Lily and then they leave at the end of the night. I understand, but that's, yeah, the, no, this isn't how Damon Lindelof works. And, and, okay. <laughs> I know, what am I and, saying? Okay, it's the left and not only, and not only, Yeah, I wouldn't, want, I wouldn't want the perfect ending necessarily. Yeah, okay. And also, it doesn't fit with Nora's character because she's the one that initiates everything. And I'm sure that if she called Christine and said, oh, yeah, I'd love to see Lily. I'm sure Christine would have been like, okay, sure. But you know, like, but she showed up and she's kind of like stalking, you know, so I, I, I Christine get, was very friendly to her, but then she ran off, which makes it even, even weirder. You right. know, I, I guess what I'm trying to say, one thing that maybe it makes me think of is how this show in many ways could speak to a, as Mark Lynn Baker said, a loss of control of your life. And it, that can also lead to, 
your personal actions, though they have great repercussions, people treating them as if they don't, right? Which we see constantly in this world and which they shouldn't. Just because 2% of the population disappeared and you don't know why, you should still treat the people that are still there with the most love and reverence, right? But they're, but they're obviously not doing this. Not that I can't say that I would do it, but it just speaks to the genius of this show and its multi-layers that that just makes me think of a way that it could have been. Why don't, why aren't Nora and Kevin uh, and Tom or maybe Christine, the type of people who make those choices has everyone been so scarred that they're incapable of, of figuring that out. You Good know, point. that if they truly yeah. want to be, they can be happy. Yeah, that's a good point. I don't know. It's a a complicated question that I guess we'll figure (laughs) out. (laughs) So uh, moving right along. Um, So the next part that we uh, see is Nora visits Erica, who's Regina King, who I love, and tells her everything that's happened, including that she covered up the tattoo names of her children with the Wu-Tang tattoo, which I love, by the way, okay? So uh, we'll get into that in a second, but she punished herself later after she had this tattoo by slamming the car door on her arm. And we found this out because um, the doctor that was uh, taking the cast off her arm said one of the medical staff witnessed her doing it yeah. to herself. Yeah. And she said to the doctor's question, which I found really interesting, why in God's name would I do that? And to me, it was like it almost goes, this is the first time where I made a connection with the title of the episode. Don't be ridiculous. You know, that's kind of like another way of saying it. Yeah, but you know, that's also what Balky used to say, right? Sure. Okay. So, but yeah, but I also felt like it it made, yeah, it made, uh, it made a lot of sense. She could have said that too, right? Exactly. I mean, you can exchange them. That's a good catch, bro. That, so that yeah, was a, cra- uh, let's. Oh, you want to talk about Wu Tang tattoo? Yeah, right? I grew. I mean, we. I grew up on Wu Tang, and I love the shot out there. Thank you, Damon, so swore. much for that. And oh. um, you know, and the fact. Okay, so then Erica, uh, you know, after she discloses this, and they kind of hook it out. Now I'll, I'll let you get in on this in a second. Um, she uh, says, "Okay, why don't we just go jump on a trampoline?" So <laughs> this is just one of the best parts of the of. Uh, of this show that I've seen. It's one of my favorite scenes yeah, uh, of all time. Dude. And yeah, so they just start jumping on the trampoline to Wu-Tang's Protect Your Neck. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite songs of theirs neck. too. Best protect, <laughs> yeah. Your best protect yeah, your baby. Neck. Uh-huh. Okay. Um, it's Aaron a, it's almost I, like they're little kids uh, yeah, going into yeah. some jump therapy. Well, but, I, w- okay. I was just going to say to the listeners, Aaron and I were, you know, I'm from Jersey, you know, Aaron is from Pittsburgh. I'm um, an adopted <clears throat> Easterner, yes. though. Aaron is an adopted Jersey boy. You know, uh, growing up, um, we both went to Rutgers in Jersey. And, uh, I mean, Wu-Tang, man. I mean, we had that shit day one. We love Wu-Tang. Wu-Tang is for the children. It, it has a special place in my heart. I would get a Wu-Tang tattoo. 
I really fucking would. I love Wu Tang. <laughs> Wu Tang is the best, and it is Wu Tang is life. Um, I mean, let's not lie. Like all great things, uh, you know, they decayed and people went of away. Course. But the, yeah. but at the height of it, Wu Tang was the greatest, the greatest they ever. Were. And uh, it was kind of funny. I was listening to the Watch. Um, podcast and damon lindelof said that he wasn't that familiar with wu-tang and i was just like damn and you know that he's from jersey too right i didn't know that actually yeah lindelof's from jersey he grew up like freaking 25 minutes from me probably even closer um but yeah wu-tang man aaron and i are huge wu-tang fans so and it was just great to see this because wu-tang should be brought up into every new generation of people <laughs> to okay, okay. you feel strongly about that one yeah yeah no it's just it fun the it was awesome the, it was cute it was cute too you know yeah and, and them jumping on the trampoline i love that it was so awesome and i have to say okay i wanted to jump with them yeah it was it was so freeing and you could see that so yeah i think um i, I think it's an important point to make that you know nora confides in erica in a way that she hasn't really confided in anybody else yeah, yeah. um and it, it's almost and it's you know it brings me back to season two when nora was um questioning her about evie's disappearance Remember that episode where they had that interaction? It was, it, to me, that was one of the best moments of the show. Mm. It, it was just incredible the way she, you know, she antagonized, uh, you know, um, Erica's character about Evie, and she just, it couldn't be a departure, you know, with Evie departing yeah. and that whole thing. But she actually did lose Evie in the end, right? Yeah. So they can actually connect. It doesn't matter how it happened, it just matters that they lost something. And because they share that real experience, in season two, I felt like they were able to just completely, you know, be free with each other. Dude, I only have one thing to say about this. Um, these two actresses, True Detective season three. That would be awesome, oh, yeah. man. That That'd would be, be great. A, a great True Detective season three. No, they're fantastic. And just when, um, when she opened the door, the door, and just Regina King's face. She conveyed so much, so quickly, yes. alarm, concern, real love and caring, you know, uh, immediacy. And just, it was, I thought it was really, I it was totally, I didn't expect it and it was great. And the whole scene was great. And it was, it allowed her to like, it was almost like a pit stop on the show, you know? Yeah. Like she just kind of stopped over here to like just be honest with herself in front of someone and to someone really quickly. And maybe that means that now going into what happens after she's going in with the truth, which is she does actually want to see what's going on. And if it's real, it's real. And if it's fake, she'll out them. But she has a right to have that, to, to desire that if that's what she wants. That's true. So is there anything else about Erica you wanted to talk about? Maybe like, do you think that she's going to have a big place in the show going forward? Uh, I doubt it, dude. <clears throat> yeah. I don't, I don't, think I, don't so th- I, I think once I think now that we left, I mean, I think we're going to like, again, I didn't watch her previews and I don't watch a preview for the season. I don't think, um, 
may have seen off and on things, maybe earlier ones, but I can't remember images. So I don't think, um, uh, no, I don't think, I think once they're gone, they're gone. I think we're going to say goodbye to everybody. Yeah. It looks like, yeah. With Lily and her character yeah. definitely feels, and I'm okay with that. Yeah. And even Dean, like there's, he's gone. I mean, maybe he was brought back so that, you know, we had no questions about his character either. Who knows? Who knows on the scheme of things. Yep. So, okay. Yep. Let's get on to the next part. And, um, Nora was, um, I guess she was on her way home and she's pulled over by Tommy and he gets into the car and he, um, is very concerned about her bull being because he got a call from Christine, um, talking about, uh, Nora's visit. She immediately becomes defensive as we mentioned this before and says she wanted to give all the way back to her birth mother because she felt good being able to do that for someone who had lost a child. Mm-hmm. And then Tommy, this is one of the biggest moments of the show. And it really, I think this is what kind of sends her overboard. And um, Tommy says his true intention of willing, leaving Lily on his, uh, at his dad's house and at the end of season one was for his dad to take care of her, uh, to take care of Lily, because he did the same for him when he was three years old and when he was adopted. Yeah. And I, I thought that we got a mix of emotions here. I, I like a Tommy. I saw his love for his father oh. and, um, and how connected he was. Um, you, you saw his love and that he really loved, um, Kevin. And, but I mean, we saw that in episode one too, but you really saw it here as well. Oh, yeah. and I thought and it was told that very, story. Yeah. Yeah. And I thought it was a very bitter moment for Nora at the same time. And it was, so it's just to have two opposite reactions to the same, point is amazing because this shows Nora that basically she was never yours and you never had a right to be in her life. I mean, it's just, you know, very blunt. I mean, that's not what he says, obviously, yeah, but, but. I, you know, I don't, I don't know if I feel that way, man. And honestly, uh, Nora being hurt to that, um, spoke about her because look, her kids, her kids mysteriously disappeared. This kid mysteriously appeared. Who cares why they're gone or they're there? And that's something that is so hard to accept. Right. And I, I'm of course, you think the people in the show are working towards that, but really shouldn't that be something Tommy saying that to her? Um, shouldn't that be something that she finds beautiful about the man she loves. It doesn't matter what she should be saying. It's about what she actually feels from it. And I, I didn't I get understand that, that. at all. You're, you're right. You're right. Look, I, I'm not, I'm not saying she should, you're right. I should not say she should or should not feel this way. Just meaning it just shows you that she's not in a good place. Yeah. That's yeah. what I mean it should to be. say. It's not, it doesn't benefit her, nor is it healthy to be, to find this revelation in a way upon reflection may make her feel better. Yeah. So that's I, I think what it, I should have said. I, I mean, overall for the, her psychological state, I think it's better to be honest, obviously yeah. about, you know, what's going on. You don't want to like lead anybody on or have them believe something that's not real, you know? So, I mean, I, I understand. I, I get your point and, you know, maybe she should have a different reaction, but she's broken. Right. Yes. Just like she said throughout, you're you know, right. That's how course. she's shown throughout the, the, uh, the show. She's just 
Yeah. But Seemingly, that, I mean, irreparably that, broken. Yeah, that, I yeah. mean, that's what it said to me when, when he said that. When, I mean, what he said was, I didn't leave her there for you. I didn't even know you existed. Exactly. And yeah. when you and the using the words I didn't know you existed immediately to me brings up the departure existence. They wink. How many times have people on this show said they winked out of existence, right? You know? Yeah. Um so it's again a kind of bringing it back home which is that's life. You or kind of like you should understand that. You know? It's a kind of a mean way of saying that too, in a way, you know? So people's reactions, of course, in the way that she reacts as an actor, it's interesting. Those are the subtle points that you know that they, something is, something is create, something's thought about in a writer's room turned into a script and then they go and they shoot it. And one thing that Damon Lindelof said is that, uh, you know, like we know from Lost that they, they did not they didn't live on the island him and carlton and the writers um lived in los angeles and they went to hawaii not very often only a couple of times um to be uh on the scene right uh, um on the set and he said the same thing about uh this show that he gives directors um like free reign he is often surprised at some of the things he sees in the final cut and the edit. Uh, and I think that that's awesome because it just shows how organic the show is in all. And that also says that a, a subtle point, like how she reacts to something like that, which we can then give intention to her next action may have been the uh, total invention of the actress. Good point. So um, we get on to the next point, and that's uh, Norb returns home and catches Kevin trying to suffocate himself with a bag like we saw in episode one. And he goes into explaining why he's doing it. And Nora almost, it's like she feels relief, uh, at least seemingly from her expressions. And then she kind of divulges information about her just briefly about her Wu-Tang tattoo. She doesn't talk about everything. Yeah. But I feel like she let her shield down when she, when she realizes that they're both hurting and not pretending. Mm -hmm. It's almost as if Kevin's pain almost dulls her pain just a little bit. Yeah. And then this is this was a crazy point of the episode or point. It, <laughs> <laughs> Kevin says he wants to have a baby with her. Yeah. And she laughs hysterically in his face. Oh, that was so weird. As he becomes yeah. juxtaposes with him becoming really sad. And, um, it, she just goes on and on and on. And it's, um, I mean, I kind of get, I, I, I kind of get the point, uh, you know, why she does it. It's just like, oh my God, after everything I've been through and we saw it through the episode, am I really going to want to have to go through this again? You know, because yeah. she feels like, you know, she's cursed and it's obvious, but and she says that, um, but, uh, it, it's wow. What, what a powerful moment. It looks like Kevin's heart is just breaking while she's. You yeah. know, searching, man. They're just, they're both searching. And, and I was surprised. Hey, I have to say that, um, I don't know if I believe him, not only because I said it last week, but I don't know if I believe him that he was only putting that, that he was like, he's like, I take it off. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, I don't believe him either. I don't believe him. 
I think he's fucking not dying and yes, he I can't die. And yeah. I don't know. <laughs> and that's goes against everything I believe as a person, but hey, it's a TV show. I, I, I just didn't believe it when he said it, it was weird. And it didn't just strike me weird because I was kind of, when I, when she walked in, I was kind of waiting. Oh shit. Is he going to say to her, I can't die. And then when he made sure to say, you know, I take it off before I die or, or get, or I don't think he said die, but you know, he's like, I make sure I take it off as he, at the end, you know, like he was just doing it to feel alive. Right. Um, yeah. Just I, like she did with uh, the hooker. Yeah, shooting I don't buy hooker. it, man. I think he was yeah. bullshitting her because that's what she does. Yes. With the arm and, and everything. He, and it's he hard for him it. to accept it too. He yeah. does. It. It's almost like the internal part that even though they're both being very honest with each other, mostly there's still, she's like, just when she says, I'm going to Australia, you know, at the end, well, hold on for, so let me back it up a little bit. So she says that, um, she doesn't want to mess up what they have when, you know, once she stops laughing. Okay. And she's clearly scared. Okay. But she says, um, then she talks about how she's going to go to Australia. Um, and I guess, uh, I guess my point would be, uh, I kind of lost myself there. That's okay. She um, she says, "Well, you wanted to you wanted to go back to that." She laughs at him, and then her phone rings. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So she basically her phone rings and um, says that she has to um, that, that if she's interested in pursuing this opportunity that Martin Baker um, told her about, that he uh, that she would have to go to a hotel in Sydney, Australia and bring $20,000 with her in cash. Mm-hmm. Okay. And then, so, okay. So my whole point was, is she, even though she asked Kevin to go with her. Okay. After she speaks to this person and she asked Kevin to go with her. Um, no, he she, asked if he can go. Well, yeah. Well, yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. She mentions that she's going to go. And then he asked her if she can go with her. Um, it felt like it, he, she wasn't divulged, you know, um, divulging exactly why she was going. Yeah. Yeah. But it, like, so, so they were being honest with each other to a certain extent, but not their like true, their inner, like that one no, thing that they can't no. let go of. Yeah. And so obviously he, he can't let go of, uh, telling her that he can't die. At least where they live. Oh, I like that. Hey, Huss, you're the man, dude. Dude, by the way, great job with the recap. Um, I know we still got a bit to go in this. So we're going to hit the Australia part. But um, I like this. You're right. I think they're both hiding. She's yeah. she's not telling him, hey, I really actually think maybe this can happen, which we didn't even talk about earlier, which is we had talked about this on the phone. Are they just basically like incinerating people? <laughs> like convincing yeah, well that's them. what she says that's yeah. i mean i think that's what she says uh you know when marklin baker tells him about this machine yeah, and there's that no, this is radiation it's and a so total that's faith her, move right yeah. it's a total yeah. faith i just wanted to mention that i just want we yeah. I, I forgot to mention it. but um yeah you're right they each have their lies going in so let's keep it moving man yeah so um it so and also just one little thing with this so with her and kevin i feel that everyone around her has a family or seemingly has a purpose. And although Kevin loves Nora, I, I don't think she can feel, feels like he can ever under really understand what she's gone through and, um, you know, what she's experienced. So that's where that kind of disconnect will always exist. Um, at least in, until some other new realization is learned, hopefully in the future, I have to, I have to hope that they're going to come together in the end. Um, I doubt it. 
Yeah, probably not, but I have to hope, right? I want them to be together. So, um, if the next scene is any indication, buddy, (laughs) exactly what they're heading to. Okay. So we're going to get to the end of it. Uh, just like the end of episode one, we have, uh, go go back well we think that the end of episode one was in australia but who knows right so we go back um to, we go to australia and um this is uh we focus on the daily routine of a police chief whose name happens to be kevin and he he's, it seems like he's in a small little town he's like maybe two or three police uh yeah very small town um, where he lives. And, uh, so when he returns home that night, I'm not going to get into all the specifics of his, you know, the little scene that we see him in with the other guy. Um, but when he returns home that night, he is abducted, um, by some old four older ladies. Yeah. The four horsemen. Be- yes. The four horsemen, because they believe he is horsemen. special. Yes. Or the Messiah or some, maybe Jesus reincarnated. Horse, Who people, knows? horse people. Sorry. Come on guys. Okay. <laughs> so, um, he doesn't admit to knowing anything about this. So they knock him out and tie him to some type of seesaw that is one end uh, that he's tied to uh, uh, goes underwater. So unless he admits to um, being this person, they're going to dunk him in the water. Yeah. And I think it, even if he did at this point, they were going to do it anyway to see if he would wake up, uh, if he would be drowned and then resurrect, you know, and then actually be alive. So, um, so they they dunk him in the water until he obviously stops breathing, you know, and he stops squirming. And then they raise him up and they wait a minute or so, and they're like, "Oh, come on, wake up now," or whatever. I don't remember the and exact. You should what say you should say one thing, which is there seemed one to be one woman at the lead, which is an actress I've seen before, sure, um, who was particularly ardent and convinced that he yes. was he was Kevin or Kevin, and we think right. The police chief, and then the that, 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 chief. yeah, yeah, it has to be Kevin, the police chief, right? Right. It has to be both of those uh, factors. So somehow she got this information from somewhere, which is. But other people obviously- were. Uh, I'm sorry. Other people were trying to tell her, maybe it's not him. That this, yeah, that it's not him. Okay. I just wanted to yeah. mention that because it's not like they were all like. I like That's the right. way that played out. I like yes. that this one. It, they're always playing with that faith thing on this show, you know. Yeah, they are. You bring up a very good point. Mm -hmm. So, um, so then he dies, and uh, I think they're about to try to help him uh, to get him, you know, to maybe uh, do CPR on him. And uh, then Kevin Garvey Senior comes out of the house on crutches (laughs) and says, uh, "Are you looking for me?" Like almost with his facial expression. Oh no, I think he just says, "What are you ladies doing?" But yeah. Yeah. Oh, you're right. I like that. You're right. He did have an expression on his face that he kind of knew, like a little twinkle in his eye. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, why was he there, right? Yeah. This is, and this is one thing I remember in season one when, you remember when Jill was um, locked up in that refrigerator and he was in a mental institution at the time and he just happened, he, he, he left the mental institution, ran away the first time. Oh yeah. And he just happened like they couldn't get it open and she was about to die. And, um, then he just comes open. He just magically appears and lets her out. Yeah. It's like he knew he always knows just like Kevin, when he's talking to him, he tells him exactly what's going to happen and what he needs to do. Right. So he's yeah. always been in the know seemingly. Seemingly. So that, I think, seemingly. Yeah, seemingly. That's a, yes. 
I think it's interesting, man. I mean, I'm glad to see um, Scott Glenn's his name, right? Yeah, Scott it's Glenn. Gla- I'm glad to see Scott him. Glenn back. I liked it. I mean, I thought this was really cool. Um, it reminded me kind of like uh, a reverse Salem witch trial type of thing. Yeah. Or, or not only reverse in gender, but also reverse in the desired outcome. Um, they wanted it to be him, it seems. Um, if they are the four horse, uh, women of the apocalypse, uh, the return of, um, the Christ figure is desired, right? Yes. So, um, that's what they herald. So I thought it was really cool, man. It was really weird. I did not expect them to go. I looked, I had one of those feelings cause this show is, I'll say if there's one show on television, that I have absolutely no idea how much time has passed while watching. It's the leftovers. Um, it just has that effect on me. But for some reason, I felt this was a little early. Like I felt like there was more to the show and I kind of hit the play button on my direct TV, hit the play. And then it shows you how much is left. I was like, what the hell's going to happen? And then bam, they're going to Australia. I thought it was great, man. The whole setup was cool. Um, what are they walking into? <laughs> no doubt. They're certainly no doubt. not going to anything saner. No, they aren't. And one, that's the whole point, right? That's the whole Excuse point. Me. Let's, let's get, go further down the rabbit hole. So, so my, um, my question to you is, okay, what, what do you think would give this woman a conviction? Do you think they were spoken? Like they got messages as all four of them seem to yeah. be like probably, had this independent, you know, thing, why would they all be together and, you know, seemingly, you know, believe it without pause? I don't Um, know, man. Are they to, well, if you're going to sit there and kidnap somebody and then, you know, and then kill them and be okay with it until, you know what I mean? Like nobody tried to stop the, the, the one who was in charge. Part of some kind of cult or they have heard of this Kevin or somebody, somebody sending pigeons with Kevin is coming written on them. And maybe that's why Nora was throwing them away in the, in the first episode, you know, um, yeah. we're going to find out. I'm, I'm, I'm really, uh, okay. I'm interested. Okay. Man. So, so then with my main question is, so do you think Kevin senior or Kevin, um, I guess, junior, or do you think one of them is more special than the other? Well, I mean, we've seen evidence, uh, to, to, to lead us to believe that Kevin junior is capable of, many of the things they would diagnose as being the savior, you know, how well, Kevin senior again, he has information and he's yeah, been more we, connected to this throughout. And he, also, how do we know he hasn't died? How do I we know that? We don't. I'm just, and he was also in the hotel. Remember? Yeah, but we don't he, dude. We don't. That's what I'm he trying was in to the say. Hotel of episode eight. Yeah, remember uh, he was on the other world. So, Either who's able to maybe in some like trip or some on some drugs who was able to connect yeah, with that back, or maybe I, he died. I don't know, man. We go back to so much what is real. What do you have faith in as a viewer to believe in this show and what how, you know mm-hmm. how far will you go? And to me, I could not address that at this point other than to say that I immediately thought that they were talking about our Kevin, yeah. uh, the son. He is the son um, uh, because of what the show has been showing us. 
Um, I've always, I found his father, the stuff with his father to be inconclusive and more so on the side of him being crazy. Yeah. That's my conclusion. So far he is going to have to prove to me that he is not crazy because I think he is crazy. What is going on with Kevin is maybe something different. All right, there we go. Yeah, I don't think he's crazy at all. I just think he's more connected to that world. Um, And also, okay, so this is the last, my last point of the show. All right, are you ready? I'm ready, baby. So at the end of episode one, we see Nora, obviously, and we see her face, and it looks kind of beaten up, you know, whether she's older or whatever. She's been exposed to the weather or whatever. So I came up with the idea that maybe at the end of the episode, maybe the reason why she looks the way she is is because she's been exposed to this machine and she's undergone the radiation. And maybe, but she's so sad looking because she realized that all of this was all of that was bullshit. That's just a theory. Maybe she realized that this thing that she's going to do right now is bullshit. And she she was exposed to it, or maybe she spoke to her kids and it didn't really give her the closure she was looking for. Just ideas, or maybe she <laughs> okay wait 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 you're losing here, me maybe you... went through this machine and we're seeing the other side of it okay but i like the first idea. okay better. yeah let's okay, go ahead you 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 had me and then you lost me because you gave me four different conclusions i gave you two okay two all right the idea that one she looks like that because she went through and what we're seeing is the other side and that somehow was unsatisfying because Maybe because she lost Kevin and she lost, you know, I don't think she really cares that much about Tommy. I guess Tommy or other people, you know what I mean? Yeah. Maybe she found that there's loss on either side and it's just an equation. And perhaps in the end she chose wrong, you know, Um, or because she's hiding, maybe Kevin Kevin's safety keeps her there or something. I don't know. We could go on. We could go crazy things, but I like, I like, I I, I smell what you're cooking a Huss and I like it. I kind of like that idea that it's something weird, but I also like the idea of Kevin dies and she just lives and she's just picking up some pigeons. Uh, cause it's the leftovers, you know? Um, and he wasn't anything special and this is, all uh, just a crazy journey that we saw of coincidence and faith and belief and who knows. I, I don't know, man, but I like, I don't believe that. <laughs> I like, I like I get your point. I like what you're saying though. I like the idea that she looks like that because she was exposed to this kind of radiation or something, you know? Yeah. Um, but I like conversely too, that maybe she went through with it and nothing happened. Yeah. Or that she got a glimpse and that it was really not oh, what she was looking for or what she expected. Interesting. I like that's that's a Lindelofian type thing. You know, that's yeah. that's a penny that's a penny and Desmond type thing. Wallace. <laughs> Wallace, baby. All right, man. Well, hey, this was super fun. Um do you wanna do you do you have anything else you wanted to that's mention? It. I, I think when we started uh, there was some kind of uh, theory I had had about um, her at the end, but I think it kind of went down this road too, which is, are we seeing her on the other side of the machine or, you know what I mean? But I didn't, the face stuff, I didn't pick up on. That was good, dude. 
I like yeah. that. I like it. I like it. All right, cool. Well, um, I don't think we have any emails that we're going to read this, uh, this week. We got a little bit long. I don't know if we got any emails. We got to get some emails coming in from people. Send us some emails, uh, people out there. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Even if it's just a quick idea, you can hit us at, um, leftoversdvr at gmail.com. You can find us on Twitter at leftovers dvr and please visit uh dvrpodcast.com i'm going to be adding to it um i'm doing it on wordpress if there's anyone out there that has any suggestions or ideas or you i'm kind of getting into these plugins like i said trying to this blueberry thing or whatever anybody has any ideas give me a give me a holler an email um i could always use the the assistance we want to try to build this thing up We'll be back again next week uh, to talk more about the leftovers. I mean, all in all, another another awesome episode. Um, but again, I really did like the way that this, ep- in a way, if if this is the last we see of kind of America, right, and this part of this story, I think that this episode served as a good kind of circular motion to get us kind of like it was almost like a slingshot around uh, a sun or something to propel us out because it kind of did have, it, it had it. I remember saying uh, I was gonna, I said to you on the phone, I think that it was almost like this episode could have been entitled. Um, we don't need the guilty remnant. We have ourselves because it's like, they're not, they haven't been in this season like that, you know? Don't and, be ridiculous. And <laughs> and it, it just, that's the feeling kind of I got. Like maybe the guilty remnant were somehow, you know, they didn't really need to work that hard for a, a job that people were pretty much doing for them. People were not forgetting. Nobody's forgotten, you know. All these people we see are pretty fucked up. Yep. All right, baby. And we'll end on that beautiful note. <laughs> All right. Take us out, a hustler. All right, guys. It was great. Can't wait to, to next week and the next episode. And we'll be chilling with you on the next episode, baby. Peace. Nothing to rearrange. Sometimes you just get a feeling like you need some kind of change. Yeah. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, Revoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.